The Understable Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Roofing and Anchor.fm. Are you or someone you know looking for reliable contact for exterior renovations? Look no further. Give Spartan Roofing and Renovations a call to schedule your free consultation. With every project Spartan Roofing completes, they make a donation to the Dayton Disc Golf Club to help support the fast-growing community. If you have a minute, give them a like on Facebook and Instagram. Spartan Roofing services the greater Dayton area and is licensed and insured in the state of Ohio. To schedule your appointment, call 937-532-0315 and ask for Charles. Hey guys, it's been a while. Um, Understable Podcast. We are back with episode 37 this week. Um, It's just me and Brandon. And... Just, just the two of us. Just the two of us. Uh, just Sorry. trying to put some content out because <laughs> we've kind of missed making content and we want you guys as our listeners to be there. You know, we want you guys to have stuff to listen to and not be like, when's the next episode? It's been crazy. We'll we'll pump them out. Don't worry about it. We'll yep. get them in. Yeah, we'll get more in. Um, just life's kind of been crazy lately. Anyway, so we're going to jump into it. Like I said, it's me and Brandon this, this time. Um, I played the play it again flex start with Ben Davidson. I think it was, and he brought up a very interesting point to me that Brandon, I've never asked you what your story is on disc golf. Like, how <laughs> did you get involved? You know, I, every guest we have, we ask them what their story is. Yeah. And you know, Patrick and I separated from the show things we just didn't agree on. And I brought you on as a, a guest and trying to, See if we can put something together. But I've never said, hey, Brandon, what's your story? So we're going to kick this episode off with, hey, Brandon, what's your story? <laughs> um, what's your disc golf journey, man? I mean, you've been playing for a while. Yep. Um, yeah. Tell us, like, how you got into it and what keeps you playing. And tell us, like, your journey, man. So I am a... 31 year old, uh, married man, three children. Um, it definitely plays a part in how much disc golf I play now. However, does not affect the caliber of disc golf. I play that is purely on me. Uh, <laughs> uh I've got a great support system at home for me to play disc golf, play tournaments, uh, and, and play good disc golf. But, um, the things that led up to that when I was, Okay, so it was 20 years ago, not tw- not 20. Uh, it was 10 years ago. I was 21. I was 21. Uh, and my little brother, Brent, he played disc golf for a really long time since he was in high school. He's one year younger than me. Um, we've always been really, really close. Um, obviously, you know, brothers one year apart. So he introduced me to the game. He asked me all the time. He was like, hey, man, you should come out and try disc golf. Uh, but I was like, you know, dude, that sounds like the dumbest thing I ever heard of, man. <laughs> that sounds really stupid. Um, and I was kind of a new ish father at that point. Like my kid was, um, my kid was two years old. So I was kind of learning how to be a dad. I had just started what I thought was going to be my like lifetime career, uh, up here. So I was kind of like settling into that family life and I was trying to really focus on that. But then, you know, one day I just found the the time and the freedom to go out and play with them. I don't know what came over me. I don't know what made me decide like, you know what, I'll, let me try this stupid thing. I think it was just, I wanted to spend time with them, <laughs> you know, like, you know, that's my brother. Um, and the first time I went, we went to Brewer Park in in uh, Byron Center, Michigan, in the Grand Rapids area. It was four nine-hole courses. We played the easy course. I was so bad. I was so bad. I hated it. I hated it so much. I was like, I'm never playing this game again. Uh, And then I don't know why I played the game again. I did play the game again, uh, as you probably already know. And uh, that was the time that it got hooked because all it takes, in my opinion, is like throwing the shot right for the first time or like parking your first basket or getting that first birdie. I feel like that's what it takes 
to really hook you into the game. And that's kind of what happened for me is like out of one or two shots in that second round with my brother. And I was like, you know what? I could see me doing this. Like I could, I could see me doing this for fun. And my brother had a bag full of discs with all these different purposes. And I'm the kind of guy who loves to like analyze things. Uh, I play a lot of competitive Pokemon on the side too. Like I've got a, a YouTube channel for that Pokemon masters council. Go check it out. Shameless plug. So, <laughs> uh, so Pokemon is a lot of numbers uh, and strategy. If it, anyone who's ever played Pokemon, you know, it's a turn-based game. It's like chess. It's like chess on the fifth dimension. Um, so I love analyzing. I love uh, numbers. I love getting better at things. And I, I saw that in this game. I saw physical activity where I could actually get better at something like a sport that I was actually good at. Cause I wasn't good at any sports before outside of like volleyball. But when you're 21, who's playing volleyball? Nobody, that's who nobody's playing volleyball with you. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how it started. I went out and bought my first disc after that round. It was a 14 speed overstable driver. It was an icon rampage from legacy discs. Uh, I only bought it cause it was red and it had a, a grim reaper stamp on it and yeah and then i was uh i continued to be pretty bad for the next four to five years until um my one of my mentors uh, his name is connor gortzma another grand rapids local he took me under his wing we were high school buddies i didn't know that he played disc golf until we met at flip city one day um so he took me under his wing i watched him play i watched him throw a sidewinder like 370 feet on a hyzer flip and I was like, all right, dude, I was like, you have to teach me your ways. You got to tell me everything. I got to know. I got to know how to get good at this game and, and, and you can teach me. So he took me under his wing, still play with him. He still teaches me things. Um, I love, I love when he asks me for advice on things now, like, especially when it comes to putting. Cause like, I feel like we've kind of come full circle because that's the thing that I'm really good at. And that's the thing that, um, he feels like he struggles the most with. So like, it's nice to help each other out now at that point. Um, so yeah, I didn't get my, I got my PDGA number in 2014 or 15. Uh, I got a, I got a five digit number, 71353. Well, how many digits are in your number, Mark? Uh, mine is six digits, 103292. I got my, <laughs> I got my PDGA number back in 2018. Okay. And since then we've added a hundred thousand members. It's crazy. I feel old. I feel right? old when I tell people my my uh, PDGA number. Like they're like, "Oh, five digits." So like, yeah, I'm like, I'm not really that much older than you guys, but <laughs> yeah, it's that's just going to show the growth of the sport over the last you know four or five years. Absolutely, that's but, something that, that I've totally seen in but, my time playing well, disc golf. What I find interesting is the similarity in your story to others we've heard on the show. You yes. know, like Stacy. We just had Stacy on our last interview, and by the way, she's really good. Like, really good. She was awesome. I she she told us a couple of stories off camera, and yeah, and when she I was like, as soon as she told us those stories, I was like, all right, this is the real deal. Like, Stacy's gonna be awesome. Yeah, but like she talked about how once she went first went out and watched somebody play and first threw a disc. Oh, this is dumb. I'm never doing this. This is stupid. But then the first time that she got the disc to to fly correctly. And mm -hmm. shape that shot. It's like instantly hooked. Yeah. And it's yeah. amazing how disc golf can do that. No other sport yeah. like, oh, I went out and hit a home run, which I've never hit a home run in softball or anything. I, Me either. I just, I don't know. I just don't, yeah. I don't get the thrill playing other sports that I do playing disc golf. Like today. Yeah. Ace run. Yep. I mean, I, I almost had an ace run on a 270 foot hole in my F5. And that's the throw that keeps coming back knowing that I just shaped the shot on a perfect turnover that missed the basket by less than five feet to the right. And that's what like me personally, that's what keeps me coming back. Yes. Yeah. For me, it's a lot about the personal growth, like seeing my hard work pay off and like literally being able to see it on the course going to a hole like a year later and throwing farther or cashing a birdie that I've never cashed before 
and doing it with my friends. Um, that's like the that's that's why I play the game uh, is for those reasons right there. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's kind of changed throughout the years. You know, I've always uh, jumped between like, oh, I want to play professionally, or I want to play an M one, I want to cash at tournaments, and I've, and then. I've also had those years where I ha- I would play like two tournaments and then I'd say, well, well, I want to use disc golf as a way to travel. So like I would go somewhere and then seek out a disc golf course because I've found new places that I never would have cared to go to because there were disc golf courses. there, like Ludington in Michigan. Yeah. I would have never cared to go to Ludington. And now that I went there for the state championships and for tournaments and because I heard there's great courses there, I love the area. Like I want to move there. Yeah. Ludington's a great, great area on, on the coast and everything, you know, beautiful, just overall area of Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess continuing on a little bit, I got my first accolade, uh, in AM three, um, in 2017, my buddy, Adam Sickinga and I won the, uh, AM three state doubles championship, uh, still probably, one of my biggest slash favorite accomplishments in uh, disc golf. Um, I can't play AM3 anymore. Definitely not allowed to do that. And then. Uh, you know what happens if you do, right? Uh, well, I'm, I mean, I'll get called a bagger, but. Yep. <laughs> I'm literally not allowed to play AM3. It's like, a, like I what, literally cannot. What is your rating now? <laughs> I'm 918. I went down six points. Oh, actually, speaking of just that, today, like literally today at the re- the day of recording this, I was nine twenty four, and now I'm nine eighteen. But it's all right because Mark's coming up. But we're gonna fix that with a league, a league sanctioned round next week. Yes, we are. I don't have any tournaments this month, so I need those those uh those sanctioned rounds. Ouch! <laughs> I just he looked said, at Ouch. I just looked at my ratings update. I dropped eight points. <laughs> all right, hey, redemption next month. All right, buddy. I have three tournaments. Anyway, continuing with your story. So you won M3 doubles. Yep. Um, I've competed in the singles state championships uh, twice. Uh, I'm competing again this year. Uh, I made the lead card my first year in round two, but then that was the closest I got to victory um, for the singles state championship. That's kind of my uh, ultimate ultimate goal as a disc golfer. Like if you if you say, hey Brandon, what do you what's your ultimate competitive goal? In disc golf, for me, it would be to win a state championship, uh, at least at the intermediate level, if not higher. If I did that, I could just like retire from competitive play, like completely, like that. I would have achieved everything I wanted to achieve right there. Right. So, let's kind of back time frame up a little bit. We'll get back okay. to to Michigan State Championship here in a minute. Okay. Um, now granted, I just recently met you say last fall. Yeah. yeah. Um, but from talking with you, getting to know you talking with Kevin, who, for those that don't know, Kevin does all our behind the scenes work. He's been on the show a couple of times, but Kevin yep. lines up all of our interviews, all of our guests. Um, Thank you, Kevin. Kevin, you're awesome. I really hope you get on the street team with this application because I did, I, I tried to put in a good word for you, but anyway, staying on topic. Um, Correct me, but it was within the last couple of years or so you had a pretty significant health issue come up. Yeah, yeah. And, and totally... I know I talked to you before we recorded, whatever you're, yeah, yeah. you're comfortable sharing. I mean, if you want to. Um, but I feel like this does play a, a factor into your disc golf career. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so... all right. Yeah, so last year, March. I was diagnosed with colorectal cancer. Uh, they call it colorectal because it was literally like the tumor TMI, maybe, I don't know um, where your colon turns to meet your rectum. It was on that corner. Um, so they call it colorectal cancer. I had a surgery the last day of March in 2021 to have the tumor removed. That took me out of the game I don't know how long that would have taken me out of the game, but then the next month um, I had a surgery to put a port to have a a port installed in my chest. And what a port does is they administer chemotherapy into that port in my chest and the chemicals would go straight to my heart 
and the chemicals would go from the heart and they would pump out through the body. So that's how they were administering chemotherapy for me. Yep. It's interesting, but I wish I didn't have to do it. <laughs> now I, right. I don't do it anymore. I, I finished my chemotherapy regimen uh, November of 2021. Okay. And that was actually a little bit after I met you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, you probably, we probably we're playing our rounds in between like rounds of chemo. I think. I don't know. Cause I met you the first time I met you, we played brewer. It was you and you and Kevin, me and Tim, and then a couple other guys. Yeah. Josh. And we all played that Andrew. doubles round. Yeah. It was Josh yeah. and Andrew. Yep. And you guys smoked us. I mean, you just, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even fair. It wasn't even a chance. Um, but yeah, I'm sure. That, I mean, that, played a factor in your ability to get out and play and um i'm guessing you, you've recovered at this point from everything you know we're talking a year later from the whole situation yeah. what's the yeah. what's the road to recovery ben if you can see my quotation marks yeah for the, your disc golf game well obviously the time lost was the biggest thing um so I didn't play at all. I didn't even throw a disc until what's okay. We're in June. We're in July now. Uh, and I just saw the Facebook memory of me throwing a disc for the first time. So I didn't play from March to July, like a few days into July. And that was the first time I threw a disc. So I had that, I had that kind of time off. Um, and then after that, uh, like I could only play disc like once or twice tops in between my rounds of chemo because I did chemo every two weeks. So I would have a chemo on a Friday. The chemotherapy would keep me in bed basically for four to five days, six days as the, the farther into chemo you get, the harder it gets. So later on in the regiment, I would be in bed for like six days or seven days. So I would have to muster up the strength to play within that other time frame, the week between um, me getting it and finally recovering. So, right. So I only play like once a week. Um, I was really happy when I did, but I also did get myself in trouble playing during the summer when I was on chemotherapy because I wasn't drinking enough water. You just, you can't drink enough water. Like when you're doing this and then you go out and play disc golf, I'd go out on like 90 degree days and I would just like sweat a bunch. And then I would go back to get chemotherapy and they would turn me away because my liver enzymes had like flared up to like uncontrollable levels so that they wouldn't let me get chemo again. I had to sit at home and just drink water. So like, then that would take me out of the game. And then like, I had to be careful about how much disc golf I played and how hot it is and how sweaty I got and where I played and how much climbing I did. Like, so yeah, it did physically take a toll out of me. And I didn't, I would say I didn't get back to playing disc golf the way that I like to play disc golf or the way that you like to play disc golf. I didn't get back to that full-time disc golf game until I just, I want to say like this March or April, I'd say. That's rough. That's, I mean, that's when you have to stop doing something you love for that long, that just, that can mentally defeat somebody. It really can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can. If I had to stop playing disc golf right now today, if today was my last round for the next year, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can mentally do it because disc golf has had such a big impact in my life. Yeah. I, uh, I think I only played one tournament uh, because I, I, that last year was like, this is the year I'm going to break through. It definitely did not happen last year. That was uh, not my disc golf breakthrough year. That was a cancer year. So I kind of, um, I've kind of sort of trying to do that this year, but it's just tough. Cause I, I got to find that balance between disc golf and life and my other hobbies. It's hard to, make that commitment to playing top tier level disc golf when you've got these other hobbies, which, you know, kind of like to each their own. Right. Right. The nice thing about my outside of work and disc golf hobby is with being D and D is that I can 
do I can play D and D at night when I can't be out frisbee golfing. So same, same that's, with my Pokemon that's, thing. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, finding that balance is hard, especially like you know, you started a new shift recently. Now I I've been on nights for four years and I love it. Right. Yeah. And I'll be honest, my my best friend John just moved back into Cincinnati within the last like month, and I don't think I've played more disc golf in such a yeah. short time frame than since he's been back. And he hasn't played with me the whole time, but mentally I'm in a much better spot because he moved to Texas back mm-hmm. in 2019, and it I mean it devastated me. It mentally devastated me. It took me out. I had no desire to go play. I had nobody to go play with regularly. And I've slowly got back into it. But this year specifically, outside of just John being back in town, um, getting on the, the, the battalion team, getting on Team Prodigy has really sparked me in ways that I never thought I could be like, I don't know. It's yeah, brought the a, excitement a- back into disc golf, and I really want to do the absolute best I can. And I've had some tough tournament rounds. Um, but, uh, getting I back, that kind of getting back to your that, story. Yeah. That kind of, uh, that the, you getting on the battalion team kind of, um, brings us to like our most recent development with me is yeah. I got this, I got, I picked up a sponsorship from uh disc Baron. It's a yep. local shop up here on the North side of grand Rapids. Um, and uh, like you said, it just like lights a fire under your butt and like, it, it's nice to to feel wanted you know what i mean and i'm really oh, appreciative i'm appreciative of the sponsorship and and ha- and them having me i applied and i was like i don't expect anything whatever and then i got that email they said they wanted me to be on the team i was like whoa you know what i mean like it, it was yeah, like no, such, it's... A, such a stark contrast from my 2021 way you know like yeah it is 2022 has been crazy and then you move into, you know, four or five tournaments into the year and you qualify for your Michigan State championship. Yeah. Which and, is and was... which is Labor Day weekend, which means you're not coming to play Idlewild. Kinda of bummed. Yeah. But I, I, I think Adam won't. I think Adam Jones kinda of convinced you to play states because that's that's like he a did. once in a lifetime opportunity. Idlewild's gonna be here next year, it's gonna be here the year after. It's not going anywhere. He did. He did. He it was it was it was definitely Adam. It was his fault. You can play. No, him. I, uh, I would I would honestly agree with Adam 100%. You have an opportunity in front of you that not many people get the opportunity to do. And if you can go play and have a chance at that dub, do it. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. Idlewild's going to be here. Echo Valley's going to be here. Yep. Lord willing, I'm still here next year. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah you, um, I hope so. But speaking of Michigan State, um, that's not too far off. You know, you're two months away. Two months. Yeah. You know? Yep. What are you doing now to prepare yourself to go lights out? Well, here's the most interesting thing about the equation is I don't know um, where division wise I'm going to fall because I'm very confident in my ability to play myself out of the division that I'm in right now. So it's hard for me to know like what courses for, for me, game planning courses is the biggest thing. And obviously I won't do that until I get there, but the things that you can practice and the things that are important, the things that I will practice, things that I do practice is putting. Putting is something I can do in my front or backyard. So that's something I can do in my basement. I can't go out and throw 400 foot bombs in my front yard. My front yard is not that big. <laughs> no, but you have a field that's five minutes from your house that's more than 400 feet long. That is true. I could literally walk to that field. You have been to the field. I have been to that field. It's fun, too. It's fun, too. We have fun when we do it. I just, me personally, I don't get fulfillment out of throwing into a field. Because it's just, I'm just throwing the same shot over and over and over again, and I've talked to Kevin about it, and it's like, I just don't feel like I get progress just going out and throwing my whole bag in a field. I'm objectively based. I have to go out and try and do certain things. Like if I want to actually learn a disc, I need to go out and throw that disc on all different shot shapes. And I need to go out and set a target out and throw at that target and try and get my drives within, you know, a certain distance of that target. But um, I I can't argue that at all, buddy. I can't argue that. So that's why I throw a million shots off every tee when I go out and play, you know, I throw at least three shots off every single tee. I've noticed. 
Uh, <laughs> I want to finish this run. The brain won't stop. Right. <laughs> but okay. So even looking at two different divisions that you could be playing and which division are you most likely going to be playing? Well, most likely fall into the intermediate M2 division. Um, that is the, you know, honestly, it's a toss up. It's a toss up. Cause you think I can, do you think I can get over 935 rated in two months, month and a half? How many tournaments do you have? Five or six, but then league rounds too. But when, so as far as I'm aware, league rounds won't go in until after they complete the league, correct? Yes, but I don't know because it's a 10-week league. Because it was a 20-week league that they split into two 10-week leagues because that's what you have to do with the PDGA. Okay. You can't do a 20-week sanctioned league. So that's pretty interesting, yeah. I might be stuck at 918 if I don't play a tournament this month and my league rounds for this month don't go in until September. I will, yeah, I, I, will would, always, I would be stuck at 918. I will always be the advocate that I'll tell you to play up. Always. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time, and as much as I hate it, it's the truth of the sport. Play your rating. That's what's what's going to yeah. give you the best chance to be competitive without being called a bagger? And, and, and I personally think for you, your best bet is to play M2. At, yeah. at this and, point, and I, I gotta M2 say, is where you need to be. The slate of courses they're playing for M2 is awesome. They're playing a really nice set of courses and they're doing one course a day, which is different from what they have done. Okay. They're going to be, we're doing three rounds, one each day. I think I'm going to have my wife come up and be on the bag for me. Uh, we're going to make a camping trip out of it. There you go. And uh, because it's one round a day and then, you know, yeah. we can all hang out. We can all hang out and, you know, whatever. Enjoy Ludington. And you can think about me and Kevin playing Idlewild. Yeah, I will. You know, you no, know, I've had this like really, no, I've had this really nasty thought in my mind. I was like, you know what? I'm going to shoot so bad because I turned on the Idlewild trip. Like that's going to be the, it's going to be the the divine justice for me not going to Idlewild. <laughs> no, I think if you just stick to your game plan and you just stay smooth, you'll shoot just fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, courses make a big difference. They really do because do. last year River City opened. I should have been playing rec, hundred percent. I had talked Fair. to Kevin. He told me John. I think it was Johnson Hills was not really a course I wanted to play for a tournament. So I bumped myself to M two and I played Brewer and I played Hammond. Yeah, and I don't regret it one minute. Nothing right. about that except for I just did not execute round two. Yeah, because post pandemic, everything down here has pretty much been on tee times. We haven't had two rounds in one day tournaments in a couple years. So really? that yeah, everything down here is tea times. Okay. Because our tournaments are so filled up. Everything I mean, we have wait lists for a tournament that's coming up in September already. And then registration opened not even a month ago. Like two weeks ago. Yikes. And there's already yeah. five hundred plus people signed up and there's a wait list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so everything down here fills up very quickly. And a lot of it is the courses we played on here are Caesars Ford Park, Echo Valley, um, Arthur Fisher, which has a new layout, um, Belmont Park. Everything has tee times. So for me to go from tee time events to where I'm playing one round a day to now I'm playing two rounds at Brewer Golds. And for those of you in Grand Rapids or that have played Brewer, you know Golds is not a joke. Golds no. is... It's tough. It's challenging. You have to hit lines. You have to hit landing zones. You have to play clean. Yep. I did great the first round. Second round last year, I crapped the bed to say the, to say the least. It just you're preaching I, to the choir I right did here. Did not do well. And him and I played blind because that was a last minute course change. Oh, that's a crazy course to play blind. <laughs> I actually didn't shoot bad. I had some bad putts. I had some spit through, some spit outs, but I felt like I played the course well. I know I can do better. Yep. Um, so anyway, back to stage. I keep getting sidetracked, man. This is this is a bummer. Yeah, disc, disc golf, man. It's disc golf. So I would, if I were in your shoes and I was planning what division to play, like I said, I would just play, I would plan for what you're most likely going to be in. Yeah. I, I'm. Look I'm at ba- the courses, I'm- look at the holes, look at the layouts, and if you have a chance to go play some practice rounds, do it. 
if you yeah. don't do what I do for Ashtamo. I mean, I just I go through each individual hole. I go through all the pictures I can find. Now, granted, I've played Ashtamo quite a bit because that's where I play half my tournaments at. Yeah. Um, but you can game plan just based on visually looking at at the at the course at the holes. Yep. You know, you're not going to know every line until you get to the tee pad, until you look at things and, and know how you're playing. But you have an idea of here's a tee pad, here's the fairway, here's the basket. Yeah. Now, how are you going to get from tee pad to fairway to basket? And that's really yep. breaking it down that way, even looking through photos, can help you game plan at least an idea of how to play. Yeah, the the one course that I'm not super familiar with, I've only played it like two or three times, would be uh beast which i mean i don't know people people in michigan listening to the show you you know what beast is like but the other courses would be flip city and beauty so i'm very experienced and well versed on those ones i love flip city love hate it yeah <laughs> at the same time yeah great course yeah. i played it once and yeah it was it was it was a good 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 course yeah best course in michigan if i'm not mistaken or top rated on disc golf scene it always flip-flops between flip city and and um bluegill disc golf course which okay. ironically is like two miles from where i'm currently sitting where i live um but it's a private course so i can't just go there and play that's a course i want to play really bad i've seen a lot of pictures i've seen um prodigies john blair play there like for a weekly or whatever and well you know what i mean i i know joe gill and like what it takes to get into there is to know joe gill send him a message and say hey bud can I play? And so, you know, go from there. He, wanna... he might say, "Don't call me Bud. Never, never come back to my course again." Or he might say, "Yeah, sure, that's fine." <laughs> so you want to get me the hook up and go play bluegill next week? Well, yeah, we'll talk about that off camera. Maybe I'll <laughs> send him go. a message. There I would go. love to play bluegill, man. I'd love to show you around. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I mean, you've got an interesting journey. You know, from yeah. from starting like everybody else does, this game is stupid and never playing again, to really enjoying it, to dealing with it at the time a life changing situation, to yes. now back being very competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's hard to say it's not a unique story because the disc golf part of it's not really unique. It, it just seems to be <laughs> it seems to be the story we hear from almost everybody. Yeah, a lot of our you know our guests, but you have a unique story because it's yours. Yep. You know, I don't know. I I, I did want to say something. Um, yeah. I don't know if you wanted to talk about more things once we kind of wrap up my story, but uh, I did want to say that I'm very comfortable talking about these things um, about like my cancer story and stuff like that because I feel like it's my job now at this point to raise awareness for cancer, any sort of cancer. So uh, I've said it before, like other places, but it's something that I want to say here as well. If any part of you doesn't feel right, or like, you know, not you, Mark, but yes, you, but like you, Mark, you, the listeners, whoever's listening to this, if you don't feel 100%, if you feel like something's wrong or you're not feeling, you go get yourself checked out. Don't worry about the money. I don't, I was working, I was working as a delivery driver for a contractor for Amazon when I um, went to get myself checked out. I I didn't have the money to do that. I didn't have the money for treatments. I had a good support system and I, you know, I was on my wife's insurance and all that. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Like you can put yourself on a payment plan with a hospital or a doctor or whatever it takes, whatever it takes, go get yourself looked at. If you don't feel hundred percent, right. Take care of yourself, make healthy decisions, you know, whether that be, you know, re reanalyzing your diet or, or finally getting yourself a doctor where you go and you see this doctor once or twice a year, whatever it may be, just take care of yourself, especially if you don't feel a hundred percent healthy or right you feel like something's wrong go get yourself checked out because that's what i did and if i didn't do it i wouldn't be here doing this interview with you or in this interview with any of these awesome disc golfers i wouldn't be sponsored i I wouldn't be doing anything you know i just wouldn't be here yeah i mean it's just you guys know your body take care of it you only get one you only get one life 
Make the most mm-hmm. of it. Um, speaking of making the most out of things, I had a really cool opp- er, opportunity this weekend. And I got to say, despite the weather, I had a really good time. Mm-hmm. So as all of you local to me people know, and anybody that follows Disc Golf Pro Tour knows this, they were down here in Burlington, Kentucky for the LWS Open at Idlewild. And I made a random decision that, all right, I'm buying tickets for Saturday. I'm going. I'm going to check this out. I'm going to watch some of these pros play. And I had a really good time. So I didn't actually follow a lot of the cards through the course. I watched most of the FPOT off on hole one, which for those of you that know, hole one's a bomber. It's, yeah. It's fun watching these ladies rip. I mean, just, I think I can throw a decent drive. These ladies can just crush, man. They they make my drives look like I'm throwing a putter. It's yep. amazing. So I bounced from hole one through up to the soccer field, and then to the right of the soccer field was hole hole 11's basket, the short, the short hole. I think Conrad aced it a couple years ago. So the same one that Macbeth aced like three times in a row during his practice round. Now they have a, a new tee pad there because, you know, make it a little more challenging. Yeah, but then yeah. after that is my absolute favorite hole on the course, hole 12. 650 foot or something. It, it, it's long. And it it's about 320 straight down and it turns right. And it's the only hole at Idlewild that I've truly felt I got a birdie on. Um, so I, I used to, I, ha- I hung out there for most of the day. And then I'd go from there over to hole 18 to watch cards finish up. And and a lot of the pros did a meet and greet afterwards. I got two different discs filled up with signatures. Yeah. I mean, Garrett Gerthy, Drew Gibson, Ricky, Simon. Um, I had to chase down Kat after she came back out from her RV, but I got Kat's signature. I mean, I didn't, okay, I didn't chase her down. She was hanging out. And- <laughs> I'm not a stalker, okay? I, she was hanging out, and I got one up to her. I got her autograph. I got Paige Pierce. I got um, – dude, I just got a ton of autographs. You got Paige Shoe? You got Paige Shoe, I right? got Paige Shoe, yeah. Yeah, dude. Now, Let's go. here's what the cool thing is, okay? So, I was able to converse with some of these pros that didn't have a big line. And I talked to Paige Shoe a little bit. I talked to Gerthy a little bit. And every pro – that I mentioned the podcast to, they were all like, Hey, we've heard of that. Yes. So let's get them all on here, Kevin. I felt actually really good that they've at least heard of us. Yeah. So now that gives us a chance to expand our interview list. And like I was, you know, talking with Gerthy, you know, it's hard to get them on now because they are so busy tours in full swing. And we understand that as a show. Yeah. But I think Double G sounded like he was interested. All right. So I'm I, I hoping Double G, if you listen to our show, I would love to have you on. Um, a lot of our fans look up to you. I know I do. The things that you can do on the course with distance and with drives. I was trying to line this up at some point. Yeah, what's up? I, I got a question. Yeah, I got a question. All right. If you could have one, what's your dream interview for disc golf? Oh man, you're making me think. I don't like thinking. Yeah, yeah, and, and this um, isn't to slight any other disc golfers. You know, we want to talk to all of you. You know, but if you had to choose one, who would it be? That is a really good question. So personally, man, I mean, I could I could give the standard answer. You know, Simon, Paul, or Ricky, all day. Simon Paul Ricky. Okay. But okay. I, I think just because you can call me a fanboy if you want. I don't I don't know what it is, but I think I mean we've already had him, Chris Clements. Okay. I don't oh. know. I, I can't say I, I don't know what it is about Clemonade, but there's just something like just talking with that dude. It I was really like super stoked about that interview. I got a text uh from my buddy while we were 
well, while we're doing this inf- interview, my buddy Josh says he ran into Chris Clemens at Brewer this morning. Chris Clemens is up here yeah. playing River City Open. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of funny that you said Chris Clemens. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Outside of Chris, man, I, 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 I don't know. I think it'd be, I mean, I'd love to have Katrina on. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I love watching her throw. I, I would love to have Paige Shue on just. Yes. Learning how she balances disc golf and having a baby and the family life to, you know, everything that she does. Yeah. I think going forward, though, and this one's big. This one's real big. I think Johnny McRae. I, with, I would with love the, that Johnny on. With what he's dealt with recently, with the heart attack and being on the verge of death. Yeah. And bouncing back, recovering, and being back on the course and competing. And that dude is so respected in the disc golf community. Mm-hmm. The whole community stepped in and chipped in to help him out. And I think he would be a super fun interview to have. Somebody, you know, laid back, um, down to earth. Be great. Yeah, I did meet Johnny McRae a long time ago. This is another part of my little disc golf journey. I went to a Johnny McRae clinic. Uh, when he first signed with Latitude 64. So that was a lot of fun. He was he was a fun guy. He was cool. Yeah, if you Out, if you had to ask me. Outside of Kristen Tatar and Paige Shue, <laughs> who would it be? Uh, Paige Shue is way high up on the list. Like, it's, it's almost a tie between Paul McBeth. I'm a fanboy. I'm a fanboy. Uh and Paige Shoe. It, it's got to be one of those two. Paige is only like five foot tall. I know. She's I a lot shorter too. in person than she is like on camera. It's crazy. I got a picture of me with her. I met her. She was practicing for the women's USDGC. Um, I think it was 2018 because me and my buddy, the, the state doubles championships were on the same course as the women's USDGC course. It was the same course. They were playing one weekend. We were playing the next. So we were there early to practice for our tournament. They were there practicing for the tournament that weekend. So we saw like Madison Walker. Uh, we saw Paige Pierce, uh, Hannah Macbeth. We, and then obviously I met Paige. I got a picture with her. Sorry, Paige, if you're listening. I'm not trying to be creepy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would love to have Paige on, talk to her more in depth because I'm also a Trilogy fanboy. So I'd love to pick her brain about like, how things go at dynamic desks. Yeah. So I would love to have Paul Macbeth on, but mm-hmm. not because of Paul Macbeth, five-time world champion. Yeah. Not because of that. Not because of his contract. Now I will say his contract is the number one reason why I started this podcast. A year and a half, you know, just over a year ago. Really? Okay, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. I could not stop talking about the biggest contract in the history of disc golf. Like, I was telling <laughs> everybody about it. I was telling people that don't even know a thing about disc golf about it. Like, yeah. this dude just signed a 10 million, 10 year, or a 10 year, $10 million contract. It's crazy. Nobody heard of that. Couldn't stop talking about it. So, Paul, if you listen, I want to talk to you about it because yeah. it inspired me. But what I want to talk to Paul about is his expanding disc golf into other countries, his efforts he's put into growing the disc golf. And I want to know if there's anything else that he wants to accomplish. What else is there for Paul to accomplish? Now I'm not saying, okay, I'm going to take flack. I'm not saying he's the goat. He's the goat of his era, right? No, the Paul era has been here. The Paul era, I think is fizzling out because the talent is getting better. Paul's still competitive. Paul's still cashing. Paul's still doing top tens all day. But I think the Paul dominance era is over. Yeah, we're not seeing the. I don't know if we'll ever see another like Grand Slam year. Correct. I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll ever see that in disc golf ever again. In my opinion. I have my thoughts on it, and I think that is Paul is setting himself up for life after competing. Which is fair. He's he's more focused on growing the sport on an international level. 
He's more focused on continuing to build Discraft as a brand and, and still mm-hmm. building the Palm at Beth brand. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think that I'm not ever going to say Paul's not in it to win. Because if Paul didn't right. want to yeah. win, Paul would not be at that tournament. That's true. 100% Paul is there to win every single tournament that he plays. Yep. But like I said, the Isaac Robinsons, the Alden Harrises, the Kyle Kleins, you know, these young these young talents that are coming into the sport are outperforming the guys that have been here. Even Ricky. Look at Ricky from Idlewild this year. Yes. He, he played well, but he didn't play Ricky well. I guess another thing that would be interesting is to see how far what the scores look like for those tournament winnings, like maybe five years ago as compared to now, like that might be a pretty interesting thing to look at, or even like seven or eight years ago. What did it take to win at this course? And what does it take to win now? I wonder if the scores have dropped a little. So idle wild first year, I believe is 2017. And if I'm not mistaken, both MPO and FPO are over par for the winners. I'd have to look it up. I don't have the stats in front of me, guys. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure I am. No, keep, keep talking. I'm going to look right now. Um, or MPO might have been like five under par. Okay. But you have a guy, Isaac Robinson, that I've never heard of. Where did this guy come from? And he shoots three fire rounds at Idlewild to go like, what did he finish? I don't even remember. Like, I don't know. After round two, he was 23 under par. That in just goes. 20, in, in 2017, Conrad won it with a total of 185. Now, the course is a little different, right? Yeah, the course has had some major changes, especially this year. It's always been a little bit different. Yeah, 185. Keep that number. 185. In, in the back of your head. So, eight. I don't know what course par is out there for the MPO. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Uh, 174 was the winning score this year. Yeah. So 11 stroke difference. Yeah. That's what Isaac shot on round two or round one, 11 down. Yeah. And then, yeah, the only one who came close to him obviously was Chris Dickerson. And then Kyle Klein was a 184, which would have been good enough to win it five years ago. But that goes to show a, the, the talent. Yes. And B, just the the way the courses have changed. Now, is Idlewild easier this year? Absolutely not. They've made some changes. That course is it's tough. Idlewild and easy do not go in the same sentence unless the sentence is Idlewild is not easy. <laughs> like, well, that's the only way you make that sentence. <laughs> what I say is Idlewild is more wild than idle. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. You get that's off the a, fairways, you're, you're, you're hung. You're shooting yeah. for power bogey at best. Yeah. Um, but no, going back to my experience there, I, I really had a good time being able to talk to the pros, get some autographs, watching them, you know, throw these amazing shots. Um, if you ever get an opportunity, Brandon, you with Toboggan being not far away, but listeners, if you ever get the opportunity to go to a pro tour event, I a hundred percent recommend it. Absolutely worth it. Um, but one of the unique things about our sport that we don't get in a lot of professional sports, and I was talking to Gerthy about it, our pros are so approachable. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Garrett said to me was, if he stops doing it, then the other pros think they can stop doing it. And that's when you're going to lose the athlete to fan connection. Yeah. And that's one thing that is so amazing about about disc golf as a community is we can go talk to these pros. During the round, let them be. Let them focus on what they're doing. But after that round's over, if you want to say hi to them, if you want to have a conversation with them, these guys are so willing to do that. And it's very personable. And I love that. Even Drew Gibson, man. Drew Gibson did not have a good second round. And you could see it in his demeanor. You could see it in the way he finished and the way he was, you know, his – the vibe, if you will, that just like everything that came off of Drew, he did not have a good round. He still sat down at the meet and greet booth, meet and greet booth, and signed autographs. I, I saw a post about Valerie Manduhano um, last week at 
the women's uh, U.S. championship. And you you know, obviously, she was in the running for the win. Yes. She had that really long birdie on the last hole. Yep. Instead of waiting around to see if she won, she finished her round and started signing autographs. Yeah. Knowing she was in the running, she didn't sit around and wait to see if she had won or if she was going to win. She went to sign autographs and meet people. So, so that I do kudos to her because I wouldn't have done it. I would have right. been like, my head would have been in that game. I would have, you know, I wouldn't have been thinking about other people at that time, but like for her to have that mentality where she's like, well, I want to, I want to go, uh, I want to go, you know, meet my fans or be with my fans or whatever. Right. Like, that's crazy. That's now that's something that would, I wouldn't have even crossed my mind. Personally, I'm real happy that cat won, you know, our, our, our fantasy, I'm happy our fantasy she won league. Too. I'm, I'm so far behind the points. I'm happy she won. That gives me back-to-back <laughs> wins. Um, I should have never told you guys to pick up Valerie Mondujano because Kevin picked her up after I said something yeah, about because her. Yeah, because Heather anything. Young, because Heather Heather dropped for. I should I should have just I shouldn't have I shouldn't yeah. have said anything. <laughs> All right, so going forward, um, thankfully I can't wait for next week. I'm going on vacation next week. Yeah. I need it. I'm mentally burnt out. I'm physically burnt out from work, but it's going to be a week full of chucking plastic. Yes. It's either throwing frisbees or hanging out with my daughter. Those are, that's my, that's my next week. hundred percent. Hey, we might be able to record um, down here. Well, you and I have discussed it briefly. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be a cool idea for us to go Facebook live. Yeah. And just, yeah. Just go live, do like a Q&A or something, or just kind of hang out, have a conversation on Facebook, not record it as a podcast episode, but just Facebook live it. Just we have could fun. chit-chat. We could chit-chat, and then fans will find out a date if you guys want to watch and ask questions. Yeah. Any sort of questions. Disc- well, it doesn't even have to be disc golf related. Ask any question, and we can like chat live about those things. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we can maybe go play around somewhere and Facebook live the round and and – and who knows that's true too that's true too but you can watch us all play terribly exactly <laughs> i would love to take this this program or this show and make it more fan based i know we get a lot of fan questions you know billy page you're always asking questions you have great ideas thank you thank you we appreciate you man we love you dude love what you're doing with Dayton disc golf with the the match play and keeping that going strong um but me personally i want to get more fan based yeah so yeah. let's find a way to, to do a Facebook live. Let's do it. Let's just let's, let's right, jump let's on. Let's line it up. We'll promote it. We'll get this going. Um, but I think I, I'm pretty much out of things for this, for this episode. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, it was a good, good conversation. Last thing I really got to do is give a shout out to hazy shade. And, um, I was actually just there yesterday picking up some stuff. Um, but yeah, if you guys are in the area, check out Hazy Shade. Go pick up some. Go pick up just a desk, a towel, a shirt, a hat. Pick anything up to help support local. Um, but yeah, I think that's really about it. And until our next episode, guys, keep it in the fairway. <laughs>